now tuned in to the School of Higher Thought podcast, where we explore the realm of personal development. We aim to upgrade your life through lessons learned from personal experience. Episodes are released every Sunday. For more updates and other apparent content, please follow our other social medias in the description below. I hope you've got your notepads ready. Classes in session. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I've got my cousin here. Um, he's been a vegan for 25 years, a fruitarian for 10 years. He's a holistic nutritionist and diet specialist. This guy has done amazing things for himself and for other people. And, you know, today I, I'm, we, we come together and we're going to just discuss about, you know, what he actually does and how he lives. And his life is very interesting. You know, the, the <laughs> path that he's taken is a path that many do not take. You know, I know this podcast is going to I know this podcast is going to trigger a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of people. So without further ado, um, Orville, would you like to introduce yourself? My name is Orville Douglas. I live in New York City. I'm a fruitarian, as my cousin just mentioned. I've been a fruitarian for 10 years and eating plants for the last 25 years. Now, that's a very long time. And quick question as well. When was the last time you was ill? Oh, wow. I haven't been, <laughs> you know, I, ha- I, ha- I haven't even been sick. I haven't, you know, uh, you know, I don't, I, you know, as a younger person when I was younger, you know, even before I was vegan, I was a never, I was never a sickly person anyway, mm-hmm. but um, I don't get no colds, no flus, no headache. I don't have to take no medicines, <laughs> no medications or anything like that, you know? So uh, it's just like every day is, is basically, it's like waking up every day feeling the same. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a good feeling. Wow, that is insane, especially due to the fact that we've kind of, as a society, we've normalised having flus and colds. It's like, oh, you yeah. have a cold, oh, it'll pass. Mm, but yeah, for yeah, you, so you haven't had one in decades is insane. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's, it's been many, I think the last time I had the flu, I was, um, I think I was about six or seven years old. That was the last time I had the flu, <laughs> you know, but um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't, had the, I haven't had the flu since. Right. You know, yeah. Or, you know, colds, you know, I don't get the colds, you know, before I used to get sniffles here and there, but I've never, you know, I have people get like a full blown cold or something like that. No, that doesn't even happen. Wow. Mm-hmm. How old are you now? Um, I'm 58. I'll be 59 in February. So wow. you've been a, basically you've been eating plants only for 58, quick maths. 20 so you started at 28 yeah so so like 25 years i mean you know so 25 years so that's i guess minus 25 years from from now you know yeah but it's it's, it's been a long time 33 years old what was it that that drove you to to start eating plants well you know what it was i tell you what it was you know i was eating a regular my diet wasn't bad anyway it wasn't it wasn't a really bad diet you know i just you know i, I wouldn't really eat a lot of fried foods anything like that you know I, I think i was always kind of into health in a in a sense just reading up on books and stuff like that mm. and um when i first came here to the united states and stuff like that you know and um I started to eat their kind of diet, you know, they diet, they, you know, they had a lot of junk food stuff. And then I started to gain weight. I was always a slim person. When back in the UK, I was always a slim person back 
in the eighties, you know, in my dancing days, and I used to dance a lot, you know. And then I started gaining weight. I didn't really like this stuff. I said, "Nah, this is not me." And then when my friends came home to visit and I said, "What happened to you?" <laughs> you know, I'm trying to say, <laughs> basically, you know, they say, "What what happened to you?" You know, we all all the, all my American friends thought you looked okay because I guess the, you know everyone at that time they were all you know used to people being big, but I wasn't used to that, so I decided to um. I decided to read books and stuff. I decided to read some books and stuff like that regarding health and nutrition. And then I decided to um, change my whole diet. And I was mm-hmm. exercise. I, I was exercising um, six days. I was exercising six days a week. I used to drink at the time, you know, socially, but I just gave up all alcohol. I didn't drink less but water. I exercised for six days a week. And within... Um, Within eight weeks, believe it or not, I lost fifty pounds. Wow! Fifty what? pounds in eight weeks. Yeah, fifty pounds in eight weeks. And um, ever since, ever since I lost that weight, I've kept it off. You know. Mm. So that's what it was, and then it just kind of got me into, you know, um, people used to ask me questions around about health and stuff like that, and I would be able to answer them. And then, you know, I just thought to myself, you know, I should just go to school for nutrition, and that's what I did. So I, uh, I um, came back to England for a short while and I went, you know, because the, the, the education over here is free. So I came back yeah. and, 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 and uh, did a course in nutrition. And then I came back here to the United States and um, I think it's the best thing I ever did, you know. And what they, it's funny enough, but what they taught me in nutrition, I learned a lot, but the kind That's of life exactly I, what I was going to ask next. Yeah, yeah, I, I learned a lot, but what I what I basically drawn away from the actual traditional teachings of nutrition. Because sometimes when we go to when, when we go to school and learn the trade, a lot of people just stick to the book, you know, the rules and stuff like that. But you know, I mean, I just thought to myself, there must be more to it, because when when it comes to nutrition, it just seems like. They'll give you information on how to help people to maintain diseases, you know, maintain it so you, you don't really progress. But okay. My thing was, yeah, but my thing was more about reversing. Okay. More about reversing. Mm-hmm. My, que- my question is this. Now, in comparison to your own studies that you've done and through your own experiences you've gained over decades, and in comparison to what they taught you about nutrition, like... Mm-hmm. I'm assuming they weren't teaching people to be vegans or fruitarians in, you know, your nutrition education. Yeah, they, because, they, they, yeah, they wasn't, no. Yeah, because, yeah. I, like, I even remember in school learning about a, air quotes, uh, healthy, balanced diet, which consists of, you know, enough meats and enough carbohydrates and enough, you know, vegetables and stuff like that. So how did the education you learned differ from the education that you've accumulated with your own experiences well you know uh the the good part about the school the nutrition they just talked you know told you about like different vitamins and stuff like that they did also talk about meat consumption you know what it could lead to you didn't say it would definitely lead to but they said what it could lead to too much of it but they did say you know they talked about vegetables is healthy for you and you know there are like different comparisons like different studies where you, you know where some people may say milk is good for you, and then then another study say it's not. You know, so we are like, you know, we had like little debate debates about that. You know, so it was kind of they did focus on certain things, and it wasn't really just one sided on anything. 
you know, but at the same time, it didn't really, um, it didn't really answer everything that I wanted to learn. So, um, I just basically went after all that. I just, you know, I just became vegan anyway. And then I just kind of started to just experiment on just stuff. Just, it's just like, it just seems like I was just getting information, um, from the universe. I just thought about everything supposed to be simple. I was, I was learning a lot about nutrition from animals in nature, the way they eat and, and, and compared to where we eat, because, you know, animals in nature, they eat very simple. They eat very, very simple. If you look at any animal, whatever species they are, they eat very, very simple. You know, they don't eat all these different combinations like we do. We were told that we need extra fat, extra protein, extra carbohydrates, all this kind of stuff. It's just like, and everybody's on a different type of diet. You know what I'm trying to say? But at the same yeah. time, yeah, everybody's on a different type of diet, you know, a different type of diet, but we're still, we're still the sickest species on the planet. When you look at, <laughs> when you, yeah. But yeah, when you look at animals in nature, you know, whatever species they are, they all eat exactly the same. You know, we're the only ones that don't eat the same. We always, we, we're on the keto diet, the vegan diet, the carnivore diet, whatever diet. You know, I'm trying to say we're all doing something different, but it's not really creating health. Yeah. You know, it's interesting about the point that you just raised about animals. I actually have a book called The Mucusless Diet Healing System. And in, oh, yes, there, yes. and in there, it literally speaks about animals. It says, what do animals do when they're ill? When animals, when apparently when animals are ill, they don't eat. They don't eat. Which is fat. fasting exactly which is yeah, the funny yeah. thing which is the funny thing as humans when we get colds or you know you have an illness people would be like oh get your strength up and eat yeah, yeah. and when it's, i read it's, that it's, in that book i couldn't believe it yeah it's the wrong information i always tell people when you get sick if you do not have an appetite do not eat you know you're forcing yourself to eat and when you force yourself to eat the only natural things that's going to happen you're not going to keep it down you're going to vomit it right back up yeah you know that's exactly what happens because if you have a family pet like a dog or cat and they are sick you put food in front of them they may walk up to it sniff it and walk away they, they will not touch it they will start eating when they start feeling better because at that point the body's on the body's on like nature's operating table it's actually doing the work to remove if they're like a fever to remove whatever's causing the illness and once yeah. the appetite comes back, that means you, you, you're getting better. You know, I actually heard something that was quite interesting. It was that a cheeseburger from McDonald's is, is, is as dangerous as a cigarette. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Which, yeah. which when I heard that, it absolutely blew my mind. Because especially people my age, we normalize, I guess, you know, eating junk food and stuff like that. When it comes to cigarettes, that seems like the line people won't cross. Yet their diet on a daily basis is you know equal or even worse to a cigarette yes yeah yeah it, it, it's really it's really bad so if you have so if you, you so if you if you're smoking cigarettes and plus if you're doing a whole bunch of these other things then you know what i mean then you're really putting your health at risk so you said that you used to eat meat and then you transitioned to veganism what what led you to shift from you know i guess the quote-unquote normal diet that people eat because you know, especially as black people, we love our, we love, you know, our chicken, our meats and stuff like right. that. And especially barbecuing and stuff like that. So yeah. what led you to shift to veganism well, first? 
when I went to nutrition school, I, you know, I, I, I already learned about the effects that meat could have. I kind of had an idea about what it could do anyway, but I kind of learned about what it could do to your body. Now, when I look back, when I was a child, when I was a, a young person, you see your family members, your, your aunts, your uncles, you know, when they were a certain age, you know, they were, they were, you know, they're very well and fit and, you know, they can get around and, and do whatever they want to do. And then when they got to a certain age, they become very sick. Yeah. And it was very, and it was very normal. So this was a normal. So I'm saying to myself, I'm, I'm a very much of a, I'm a very much of a thinker. I thought to myself, well, if my parents and aunts and uncles by a certain age, everybody seems to get some kind of illness, then that's what's going to happen to me. Yeah. It's just a normal, it's got to be a normal. And I didn't want to be, I just, I just didn't want to be one of those people. So for me, it was more about prevention than rather cure. Yeah. No, I just decided to do this as a younger person because I didn't want to get to a certain age. You know, as I said, now I'm 58 years old. I'm at that age where, you know, I could have had like, you know, diabetes, high blood pressure, cancer, you know, can it, you know, cannot get around, cannot exercise. I didn't want to be like that. I, I just wanted to maintain what I'm doing. I know we all have to die. But it was for me, it, it, it was more about having a better quality of life. Makes sense. Because that's, mm-hmm. that's a funny thing. It's almost like when people reach that age where you become, I guess, an elderly person, it's almost normalized that you become sick. It's like, it makes sense yeah. when an old person's ill, but should that really yeah. be the standard that we adhere to? Yeah, it, it, it's not, you know, but, because, but it is for everyone because everyone's following the same lifestyle. They're not really doing... They're not doing anything. They're not really doing anything to protect themselves. It's never, even as an older person, it's never too late to start doing something. But my advice to a younger person is always um, start off with, you know, eating a good diet and always exercising, always moving your body every day, because that's what's going to guarantee you, you know, um, guarantee better health in the future when you get to that certain age, because when you get to that certain age and you have kids or grandkids, you want to be able to do stuff with them. You don't want to be sitting back in, in, in a rocking chair and watching them run around and you cannot even run around with them, you know? Definitely. You see, when oh, it comes um, to exercise, uh, I see a lot of the time you speak specifically about cardiovascular exercise. Is, is there a specific reason for cardiovascular over um, resistance training? Well, well, they're, they're, they're both, you know, yeah, I do speak a lot about cardiovascular, but they both work hand in hand, mm. you know, because cardiovascular exercises will improve your heart. That's what you're right. trying to keep your heart. You're trying to keep your heart rate strong. Um, resistant training also does the same thing as well, but resistant training is, is good for strength, you know, so you, you, you need those muscles for strength, you know, for instance, you know, you be, you could become an older person, you know what I mean? And you see an old person trying to, say, open a jar of pickle. They cannot even, things we take for granted, they cannot do it because they have no, they have no strength to do it. Yeah. Mm. You know, so, so, that, so the combination of both. I, 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 you know, I work out every single day and I do, I do both of them. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry. You work out every single day and you're 58. Yeah, I work out. I work out about two and a half hours every day. I run like about before I even start my weight training. I run like I run about almost eight miles within an hour. <laughs> that's what I do. I run about eight miles within an hour. Then after that, that's that. Yeah, yeah. So I do usually on the treadmill, but my speed has gone up. You know, I 
I run at a moderate pace, but I can actually, I ha- I'm not like puffing and puffing, but I'm running like about like, about like seven a mile every seven minutes, 7.15 or something like that. I mean, I could go faster, but I just don't mm-hmm. go faster because I'm gonna save, save that extra energy for once I finish that to do my weights. Cause I do my weights, it takes usually about an hour. So I'm in the gym like about hour, about two hours, two and a half hours, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yeah, but yeah, so I do that, I do that every, every day, every day. The reason why I left and I asked you to repeat your age is because I'm 21, I just turned 21. There's people okay. my age who can't even have any motivation to even get out of bed and you're running, you know, <laughs> for almost two hours doing cardio. That's yeah, yeah. completely inspirational. It's all about what's important, you know, it's, it, you know, I do it because, because my body allows me to do it. I think it's very important because if you don't move, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. So uh, a lot of these young mm. people, they just need to find some kind of motivation to, you know, do something, make a start. It doesn't have to be as, as long as what I'm doing, you know, but it's just make a start of doing something. And, 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 and once a person starts to get fitter, then they want to do more. You know, yeah. there's yeah. going to be a lot of people that are going to hear what you're saying. And uh-huh. this is literally some superhuman shit right here. It's amazing what you're <laughs> doing. You're, it's actually amazing. <laughs> some people right. will say, oh, what about my genetics you know you know the reason why i've gained this way is because of my genetics or i can't do this or i couldn't do that because of my genetics does the origin of your family roots affect your athletic performance and like the way your body responds to diets because some people will be like i couldn't just you know eat vegetables and fruits yeah you know something i told people you're not born with bad genetics you're born with bad habits you know i mean it's not bad it's not bad bad habits you know, habits are passed down from generation to generation. This is why you, you may have like high blood pressure, diabetes or cancers run in families. Because I'll tell you why that is because the dietary, the dietary factor is that like grandmother used to cook a certain way and she, she, was, she could be predisposed to cancer. And then these, these cooking skills were passed down to mother, mother passed it down to daughter, daughter passed that to daughter. You all have the same genetics, but food as ability to turn genes on or genes off diseases on or off mm. you know what i'm trying to say if you predispose to diabetes and you're eating the same diet as your family member who has diabetes your mom had diabetes nine times out of ten you're going to get diabetes but if you make those dietary changes you know you can break that curse that's all it is you know what mm-hmm. i mean because because certain diseases will switch genes disease genes on or switch switch you off you know, and, and, and you want to keep you want you want to keep that switch off. So we, we're not born with bad genes. We're born with bad habits. Wow, that that's mm-hmm. profound. I had to I had to write yeah. that one down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, just just to clarify for the audience, because some people may be unaware, they might have heard you know bits and pieces here. Is the alkaline diet the same as the vegan diet? Um, no, alkaline diet is basically certain foods are based as alkaline or acidic on the pH scale. So. The only things that are usually alkaline are fruits and vegetables. Those are the only things like stuff like uh, nuts and seeds and starches. They're all acidic, but not, not, not meaning that they're bad because you need a balance. There's a balance, yeah. of, there's, mm. a, there's a balance of alkaline acid food. It's, it's about like 80% alkaline, about 20% acidic. But certain foods, like for instance, if you have something on the pH scale, something like uh, on the acidic side of six, which isn't too, which isn't too bad. And then you have something on the acidic scale of five, then between five and six, it's like, it's like night and day. It's like, a, it's like from like Mars to Venus. 
that's how much of the difference. So, you know what I mean? Six and five is very, very far apart, even though the numbers sound very close together. Gardening, like, for instance, uh, Coca-Cola could be something like maybe 3.5 acidic on the pH scale, and battery acid could be something like 2.5. Mm. So you see, it's, it's still mm-hmm. like night and day, but you can still see it's acidic. But one is, you know, the further down you go, it is really, really bad. And also on the opposite side, like alkaline and stuff like that, for instance, you can have alkaline water, which is 9.0, which is, to me, is very high. And then, then, and then at 10, uh, 10.0, you could have hair relaxer. Hair relaxer, like 10 point something on the, on the, oh, wow. on the alkaline, you know, so, so it's like night and day, but it's still high. You, you see, do you see my point? Mm. So when it comes to the alkaline diet, I always try to tell people the diet should be very close to neutral, very close to neutral. So, um, slightly, the diet should supposed to be slightly alkaline. Fruits and vegetables are usually like about 7.365, something like that, around that. You know, that's, that's a good, that's a good thing. It's slightly alkaline. You don't want it too much alkaline because too much alkaline can cause problems within the body. You know, so when people right, yeah. are drinking all these alkaline water, I tell people never drink alkaline water. Never, never. Alkaline water is not good for you because, because alkaline water, number one, is not natural. It's not natural. You know, um, the mm. closest water is supposed to be neutral. Um, acidic and alkaline neutral, supposed to be right there. Mm. Me personally, for a year, well, for like almost two years now, I've been mixing my water with lemon uh-huh. juice. Which and I've heard is supposed to be. Is that yeah. good or? <laughs> no, that, that, that's very good because you see what it is now. If you, so if, for instance, I always tell people the best type of water to drink is distilled water because it has no, you see, it has no minerals in that water. But, you know, the, um, for the body to absorb minerals, you don't need it from water. You can get the minerals from food. So water, I always tell people water is supposed to be distilled because in a natural habitat, in a perfect world rainwater would be the water we drink if if the if you know if we didn't have like a lot of pollution but rainwater is naturally naturally distilled water the only time when when these waters Mm -hmm. like these spring waters pick up minerals they pick up when they hit the streams it pick up the minerals from the rocks our bodies cannot use rock minerals these are minerals that the body cannot use you know so it's right. better so it's better the minerals that the body can use is from food fruits and vegetables um minerals that can be absorbed by the body these rock yeah. minerals cannot they can leave deposits in the body have you ever looked at a have you ever looked at a shower head or yeah. a, a dripping dripping yeah. tap after the water is diffused and stuff like that you'll see you'll see oh, light scale yeah you'll see, you yeah, don't see that when you're drinking the water you don't see that when you're drinking the water lime scale but if with distilled water if you boil distilled water you will there will, there will be no residue left behind compared to other waters so the residue mm-hmm. that left behind that's just that's the stuff that's building up in the joint in the body that makes a lot of sense so right. question another question across the world we're seeing a kind of increase in you know veganism you know it's it there's a lot of i guess meat plant substitutes you know we're seeing right you know all these junk food like places like mcdonald's and stuff like that bringing mm-hmm. their veggie plant burgers and kfc doing it and you know products in grocery shops saying oh come get our plant-based meat now right for anybody that wants to you know i guess switch to uh air quotes healthier lifestyle is that what they should be eating well it, 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 it it's a you know that's an interesting question it's a start 
if this is something, if if that if that can help you help you to transition from meat, that's fine. But it shouldn't make up the whole diet after you know after yeah. a certain amount of time. It's it's a good you know you want a meat substitute that tastes like meat. So yeah, have you know it's okay. Have one of those you know uh, plant burgers. You know they're not the healthiest, but it's better than eating the meat. You know, yeah. but don't make it don't make it a habit of eating it all the time. Makes it's sense. better for people. Better to you know to prepare your own food. And if you do have a taste for a burger, have a plant burger. That makes a lot of sense. Now, there's also a lot of people that would fight back and be like, the healthiest thing you can eat is uh, I think they say pasteurized meat. I, uh-huh. I think that some people argue that that's the you know healthier alternative to uh-huh. actually eating store bought meat and. You know, uh-huh. getting, a, I guess, a more organic form of meat without the chemicals and stuff like that. Now, to right. those people, what would you say in response to them? Well, I would say to them, the response to them that, you know, our we don't have the intestines. We don't have the intestines to digest if it's pasteurized or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's still meat. You know, yeah. our, our, our intestines is very long. You know, yeah. uh, animals that eat, um, eat meat, their intestines are very short. It can break it down very quickly. You cannot break it, you know. I would, we have so much intertwines and stuff like that. We cannot even digest it. Number two, um, if you think about it, we don't have the teeth to eat the meat because I always tell people is that um, every animal in the animal kingdom eats their food raw. Yeah. So the carnivore is gonna kill the pants on the animal and tear it to bits with its teeth and eat it. Yeah. We can't do that. We cannot eat. We cannot eat raw meat without getting sick. We have the teeth to go and tear it to pieces with our teeth and eat it with all the blood and gore. You know, I always say this to people to to let them think about. You know, I don't tell people what to eat. You know, or what you know, but I said you always you have to think about these things. You know, what I mean, look at these animals. They are being you know the carnivores as tearing these animals with their teeth and eating it raw. Now we can go to any fruit and eat it raw, and it's not going to kill us. We have the teeth, we have the uh, the digestive system to break it down. That's what we have, you know. Yeah. But that that benefits the carnivore, but it doesn't benefit us. Now, one thing that I've noticed in my own study of health, I have another book called African Holistic Health. Okay. Um, uh-huh. And it talks about the difference in dietary requirements per race and how it's different uh-huh. for some right. races of people. Do you have any knowledge upon that? Um, yeah, I've heard. You know, they've heard. I've heard. Uh, yeah, I, I know what book you're talking about. Actually, I think it just goes back to our digestive system. Even though it doesn't matter what race we are, we all still yeah. have the same digestive system. A break is about breaking the food down. Yeah, that's what I see. I mean, we may have certain chemicals that may make us more more healthy, more superior, whatever. You know, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's all about breaking down the meat. Makes and, sense. Um, yeah, we just don't, we, you know, yeah, we, 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 just don't, we just don't have that digestive system to do. We just don't. The human body is very forgiving because, um, you know, when, when we get these diseases, it doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes many, many years to develop because the body is always consistently fighting consistently fighting, 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 fighting until the gloves come off, I can't fight anymore, bam, you have D 
this kind of disease, you know, and it's interesting enough if you, if you can look that we, what shows another point is that our family pets that we have, they normally have the same diseases as us because we feed them the food we eat. So they have like cancer, cataracts, high blood pressure, you know, these are, these are family pets. They have the same disease, these cataracts. You know, you don't really see these kind of diseases in the wild. Mm. This, is, it, this is crazy. So you've been a fruitarian for 10 years now, vegan for 25 yeah. years. Yeah. You said you haven't been ill properly since you were about six years old. So I'm assuming yeah, yeah. Then, then, you know, even with a fruitarian diet, you don't have any deficiencies. People don't really have deficiency per se. It's more of an absorption issue. Because people, people as people have been eating such a bad diet all their life that they'd be deficient in something because they eat, they may eat enough food with whatever they need, but it cannot be absorbed. So, right. and is that because of the colon? Yeah, that's the colon. So it's all about detoxification. It's all about so if you even if even when you go into um um you come to a vegan diet or cleaner diet, it's always good to practice detoxification, some kind of detoxification. And um, how can people practice that? Well, I find that, you know, fruits, water fasting, detoxification protocols, because the body can only heal on an empty stomach. You cannot eat your way to health. What I mean by that, you cannot eat your way to health, is that your body needs to remove toxins. If you have a disease, you have to remove the toxin out of your system. So it doesn't matter how much healthy food you're eating, you're not going to remove that toxin. You have to basically stop eating digestion takes up so much energy because when people people are always constantly eating so by the time after breakfast by the time they come to eating lunch breakfast hasn't even been digested and vice versa dinner lunch hasn't been digested so the body's always constantly digesting 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 now there's no energy for detoxification detoxification can only happen when digestion stops so this is why when people mm. go to sleep at night, they've been sleeping for about six to eight hours, they haven't had any food within that time. So that's when the body's in a detox mode when you're sleeping. So that's why they call breakfast, break the fast. That's what it really means. So this means your body is in a healing stage while you're sleeping, but it's not long enough because you've been constantly eating all throughout the day, you know, and you're only getting a break at night. So coming back to detoxification, when it comes to either fruits, or water, number one, fruits, when you eat fruits, especially the high watery fruits, while I, while I always promote, it digests very, very quickly. Say within an hour after you've eaten a fruit meal on an empty stomach, your body's gone back to detoxification mode. Could you just give some examples of uh, high watery fruits, like you said? Yeah, okay. Um, apples, oranges, mangoes, grapes, pears, cherries, anything that's juicy. Anything that's juicy right. that creates a lot of water. You bite into it, creates a lot of water. So then examples of non-watery fruits would be like bananas, got, for example. Yeah, yeah, bananas, they say it has a lot of water, but it doesn't really create a lot of water. But bananas is okay. But I go, I would say more like stuff like avocados, avocados, coconut. Okay. Those are, uh, uh, those are like fatty fruits and stuff. Those are fatty fruits. So when doing, because you have the Fruit Feast Challenge. So, um, so first and foremost, what is the Fruit Feast Challenge? Well, the fruit feast challenge is basically based on my particular fruitarian lifestyle. You have other different fruitarians who eat different, you know, types of foods other than fruits, but you know, it's still classed as fruitarian. Basically, what I eat, and um, apparently, when I first started this challenge six years ago, 
you know, I says, well, what I can do, I'll create a challenge so that you can actually experience what I go through for like 30 days. So that's all I did. I created a challenge six years ago. The very first challenge I created after the challenge was over, I had like a few people joined after the challenge was over. I was getting messages from people. Oh, I can't believe before this challenge started, I had diabetes and now the diabetes is gone. Or I had high blood pressure. And every single challenge I did, I was, I was getting a lot of people sending me messages. And because I didn't have anything to reverse, I didn't really know the effects. But these were people who had ailments mm. and this is what was happening. Mm. So in the last six years, you know, I've got like a lot of people from all over the world who've actually, you know, joined the challenge. And yeah, people tell other people, and I've been posting a lot of these testimonials on my page. And a, lot, a lot of people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's what the fruit challenge is about. It's, it's basically to reverse disease. Mm. The one part there that's really interesting is the part where you said that people with diabetes said that their symptoms have been um, alleviated. That's another question that people tend to have. You know, we're taught that because fruits are mostly sugar yeah. and they're taught that sugar is bad. You know, people yeah. think, oh, wouldn't fruit be bad for you? Wouldn't fruit be bad for somebody who has diabetes? What's um, been your experience with that? Everybody who has joined my fruit challenge in the last six years who have had diabetes is just strictly the fruits for the 30 days or 31 days. Every last one of them has reversed it. I can tell people this now that because there's a lot of misinformation about diabetes, but a lot of the, the plant-based doctors who are into vegan diets, they, they understand and they, and they get the information out there now. Basically, diabetes is not a sugar diet. It's diabetes, it's not caused by sugar. It's caused by the excess amount of fat. That's what it's caused by. Because every single cell in the body runs off sugar. That's why I call it carbohydrates. Everything breaks down and it enters the cells very quickly. Now, sugars break down very quickly. Proteins break down very quickly. But fats take a lot a longer time to break down. So the majority of people's diet is a combination of issues like fat and carbs. You know, if you people have like chicken and rice, the, the chicken fat and the protein and also the rice, which is, which is a carb, which is sugar. The rice will break down quicker, but when you have a combination like that, the fat takes a lot longer to break down and it leaves little globules that blocks up the cell receptors so that the sugars cannot get within the cells where they belong. So now the sugars are just lingering around in the blood. And this is where high in blood sugar levels come up, you know, sugar circulating, the body has to keep releasing insulin. It's got a story of fat, you know, it's not getting into the cells. So when you remove the fat from the diet, especially animal fat, when you remove that from the diet, then the sugars will go directly into the cells where they belong. You know, what I've always experienced with people with diabetes, maybe the first week or two, once they start just eating all fruits, they may experience that their sugar levels are going up and they get worried. And I tell them, this is something not to worry about because what's happening there, all those little globules and blood flats are still circulating and they're ready and they, you know they're getting ready to be excreted once you eat the fruit it's got to go directly to the cells there's nothing that's got to stop it from going in and that's the key to get the sugars where they belong when you have a combination then the sugars are not going to go in because it's a mix with fat so fat is really the cause of diabetes not sugar fat is like pouring the fuel on the fire mm -hmm. And another thing as well is that, you know, people don't realize that there's different types of sugar as well. You know, there's glucose, yeah. sucrose, lactose, but what the one is from fruit is the fructose. Yeah, the fructose, the fruit sugar, it doesn't need any type of digestive enzymes or insulin to be absorbed. It's 
basically absorbed within the cells within minutes with that with no interruption from anything else compared to glucose or the other sugars glucose your body has to release insulin to take it shortly out of the blood into the cells fructose it goes directly in right so it's more efficient it's more efficient yeah and this and this is also good for people with type 1 diabetes because type 1 diabetes for people who cannot make insulin you know so mm. you know so if they eating if they eating a high fruit diet then you know they don't have to really worry like worried about too much insulin to get the fruit in because the fruit's going to go in regardless you know the fruit right. sugar yeah a question that i actually had which i guess kind of i guess is part of a holistic diet in a sense do you take cold showers i don't but a lot of people do yeah and um, a lot of people find it is very beneficial to them i don't do it but it's, it's very beneficial i've tried it before but it's not my thing but it's very beneficial Okay then so obviously a lot of people hearing this might want to try your fruit feast challenge what would they be drinking throughout this whole experience they'll be drinking either distilled water in the challenge or fresh raw coconut water but what i've actually found is that if you know once you start on the fruits maybe for the first couple of days or so you may not even need to drink any water or any drink any fluids because you'll be hydrated on a cellular level. The water and the coconut water is really optional because most people diet are dehydrated, you know, like come from a cooked food diet, you know, with all the yeah. herbs and spices, it causes dehydration in your body. But when you're just eating fresh juicy fruits, it's got to keep you hydrated. So this may not happen for the maybe for the first week or maybe the second week you let me may find that you you know, you're not really drinking any water, you're not thirsty or anything like that. And it's okay. You don't have to say, okay, I haven't drank any water today. Let me drink some water. You don't have to do that because if you feel hydrated, you'll feel it in your throat and you feel it in your body. If you feel hydrated, then you don't have to take any fluid in. Wow. Well, hopefully everyone's taking notes while they're hearing this because this, I feel like I'm learning a whole lot of stuff. Right. <laughs> Thank you. You know, this is the most important thing as well. Like, you know, health is wealth. Yeah, that's true. If you got wealth, you know, if you don't have health, you cannot do anything. You cannot do anything. Mm -hmm. With the fruit feast challenge, so the, the rules are pretty much, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, um, you know, you have to just eat high watery fruits. You can eat as much fruit as you like and drink wise, they can drink coconut water or distilled water. Are there any rules yeah. to it? Are there any different suggestions? That's it. It's really about simplicity. As, you know, as long as you just stick to the high watery fruits, the high watery sweet fruits, as I mentioned, apples, oranges, melons. If you are thirsty, you can drink either distilled water or the raw coconut water, but as I said, those things are optional. As I said, once you start the challenge, you may find that you're not thirsty, but you may worry because you may be a person who's so used to drinking like, you know, eight glasses a day and all of a sudden you don't really feel like that because you feel hydrated. So I always get a lot of people send me messages saying, oh, I haven't been drinking a lot of water or I don't think I'm eating enough because I don't have an appetite and stuff because what's happening here, true health is happening because your stomach is the size of your fist. Your body's actually getting back to normal. The simple rule is eat when you're hungry. So that means if you eat, you can eat five, six times a day if you feel hungry. Or like myself, I only eat once a day. Once a day, I normally eat and that's it, you know, and I don't really eat a lot. And that's it. I'm hydrated all the way through after 24 hours or something like that. But it's all on the individual, you know, if you feel a certain way, if you need to eat more, then you eat more. And certain days you may feel you need less. Certain days you may not feel like anything, so you don't eat anything. It's all about how you feel. And those are the things you have to really pay attention to what your body's saying to you. It's not about being deficient you're not eating all these meals and you're not getting all these protein and fats and stuff like that and i always tell people as well people who have high blood pressure diabetes cancer 
if you really look at it properly, those are all deficiencies. Yeah. You know, right. they're all deficiencies. You know? But people think, oh, I'm not getting off iron, I'm not getting off vitamin C or something like that. I said that those are the, that's the bigger picture. They are, they are all deficiencies in a sense, meaning that your body's not really absorbing what it's supposed to. It's not your body's not really functioning how it can function. Hmm. I think people are Asia at a point where they're more concerned with the superficial side of things. So would it be possible for guys, for example, to be muscular and gain muscle while on this diet? That all goes down to genetics. If you're working out, if you have a naturally muscular body, all that's going to happen, you've got to enhance that body. That's what's going to happen. So, you know, it's just like people who are eating meat. A lot of people eat meat and, and they work out, but everybody doesn't look the same. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm. Some people may be real yeah. muscular, some people are not. They're still following, they're working out and eating a meat diet, but they're not muscular, but some people are. So it really boils down to genetics. Right. With that question, you know, there's a lot of people out there who, who specifically want to gain weight. And a lot of the time with your testimonials, I see that people tend to lose weight, you know. So yeah. is there kind of a way around that or is it more just literally just genetics? Well, people must understand when people are losing weight, they are losing waste. W-A-S-T-E, waste. Ooh. Because, yeah, that's what, that's what they're losing because the body only gets rid of what it doesn't need. Fat takes up five times more room than muscle. So if you look at if you look at a muscle under microscope and and you look at fat, then you see that a muscle, a five pound muscle, is smaller and denser, and a five pound fat takes a whole bunch of space. So a lot of people who want to gain weight, they have to burn. You know, the body's got to get rid of that. It's going to get rid of that excess fat. So yeah, people will lose the fat that streaks around the muscle, which is going to make them look smaller. At the end result, they're going to be more muscular. Mm. And that's what people ideally want. They want to be more muscular. They're more going to be more muscular. And I say muscular is more genetics. If you're working out and you're eating the fruit diet, you develop the best body that your genetics will allow you. People have different muscle sizes and stuff like that. A lot of people who do lose weight on the challenge, they lose weight. I don't lose any weight. You know, I don't lose any weight because I got rid of the excess fat that my body needed to lose. I stay like ripped year round. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it does. Yeah, we love yeah. to hear that. So if I was to keep on losing, losing weight, I'd be withered away by now. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's just, that's just an example that the body just gets rid of what it doesn't need. So aesthetically, you may not like it or you may like it. You may want to look like a certain person in the magazine, but you may not have that genetics to look like that. Someone else who has the genetics to look like that may look like that. You know? Mm -hmm. Now, when someone is switching to this diet, now I, I, I know from reading that there's a bunch of symptoms people can experience. If I'm not mistaken, some people can feel nauseous when they switch their diet to like switch out for more fruits. Some people get headaches. Now, yeah. some people use this as a justification to be like, oh, see, this diet's not good. You shouldn't do it. Can you explain what that process is? When you're getting headaches and nauseous and all that kind of, when you're getting detox symptoms, Basically, what's happening is that the body, as the fatty tissues within the body, has released these toxins that are in the circulation that's about to be excreted out of the body. So all these things, all these toxins are running through the blood. That's why you have like headaches and feel nauseous. But that will pass in a day or two. It will pass, you know, and your energy levels will come right back up. That's what's happening. But people, as soon as the moment they start feeling sick, I say, oh. This is not right for me. It, you know, it's not working. It, it made me sick. It didn't make you sick. You know, you're already sick. Just that the toxins 
are being shaken up out of your body. It's just trying to get out. You know, those are detox symptoms. Exactly. And it's so funny that people's bodies can be accustomed to a diet which is toxic for them. And when you attempt to detoxify those toxins and they're having these symptoms, they can't see that it's their body, I guess, trying to get rid of all of those things. That's what it is because I tell people once, once they, you know, once again, all these detox symptoms and they go back to their old ways by eating whatever they normally eat, the symptoms will disappear very quickly because I tell you now what's happened, those toxins have settled back into the fatty tissues again. That's the reason why they're getting no symptoms. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why. So, you know, if you want to break those symptoms, eat, eat a couple of burgers or whatever, the, the symptoms will go and you'll feel, you'll feel <laughs> well again. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. that's the reality. You'll, so, you'll feel well again. So if you don't mind, take me through your day-to-day. What does your day-to-day uh, diet look like? What do you eat when you wake up? Maybe maybe if you don't eat in the morning, and I, I don't. If you eat lunch, if you eat dinner, what does that look like? Okay, it's very simple. I eat once a day. That's it. One meal a day. That's it. And that's usually around, I use between 12 and 3, usually between 12, 12 and 3. So I just, I may have like, maybe like two pounds of grapes. I just usually eat mono meals, like just one type of fruit. So I prefer mono meals than, you know, like a, a fruit salad. And that's it. Once I eat that, I'm good to go. I don't, I don't have to eat again till the very next day, around about 24 hours later. You've literally mm. just broken a lot of people's hearts saying you eat one meal a day and it's grapes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just grapes. Yeah, just, yeah, just grapes or whatever fruit, uh, mangoes, whatever, whatever fruit I have, you know, and I'm still able to, it's not just food that's also giving you energy. You're getting energy from the sunlight, you're getting from the air. You're getting it from a lot of different sources because say I eat at 12 o'clock, then I work out every morning. I'm at the gym at 4 a.m. every morning. I'm running for about an hour. Then I'm doing my weight training and then I'm done working out by about 6.15, 6.30 in the morning. I'm not eating anything until around midday, between midday and three o'clock. So that's like six mm. hours later. While I'm working out, this is another thing that a lot of people find it hard to believe. I'm so hydrated, even though I'm not eating a lot, eating a lot. But that fruit that I ate like almost 24 hours ago, you'll never see me in the gym with a bottle of water. Because I, don't even, yeah, I, because I don't even get, I don't even get, my throat doesn't get dry or anything like that, <laughs> you know, that's it. This is insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, there's yeah, going to be a lot of people that are going to hear this and think there's no way. There's no way there's a 58-year-old who's running, you know, eight miles an hour, you know, every 4 a.m. just eating grapes and that's it. Yeah. This is exactly why. I'm so grateful that you, that first of all, Zach got you to be here. And second, that you're here because this is literally going to challenge the standing convention of thinking when it comes to diets, especially in the West, because I know it's more prevalent to eat fruits in, I know I'm African, I'm Zimbabwean. So, you know, people do eat more off the land there, but when we kind of move to the West, people are just eating on the relied, I guess, pre-cooked meals, you know, um, store-bought meats and stuff like that. So to mm-hmm. hear you say you just eat grapes and, you know, coconut water, that's it. That's amazing. Yes, yes, yes. And another thing as well, because I see that you, you you know, grapes are one of your, your top fruits. What would you say, you know, because a lot of people cannot find seeded grapes or seeded fruit in general. Um, does it matter if it's seedless or not? 
it really doesn't matter if it, if 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 it's seedless or seed. It really doesn't matter. I mean, seed is always best, and I, I always get seeded because you got so many fruits that you can choose from that are seeded. But my observation, what I found out is that when people people on the fruit challenge who contact me and say, I cannot find no CD grapes or cannot find seed anything, you know, and I always tell them, well, you know, all you can do is do the best that you can do, you know, so even though they're still eating seedless grapes or seedless fruit, they're still getting the results they're looking for. They're still reversing their diseases. So even though a lot of mm-hmm. people may say you shouldn't do this and do that and it's going to cause this, I'm, I'm, more, I'm more about observation than internet rumor. You know what I'm trying to say? You know, so those are the results. People still mm. got their results. And, and, and the reason why I think they got the results, because as I said, reverse the disease is, is reversing it on the empty stomach. So these, even mm. though it's seedless, the fruit is still got to be digested very, very quickly. Mm. So the body goes back into that empty stage where disease reversals can continue. So you do consultations, right? Yes, so yes, I do consultations. Mm-hmm. When people come to you for consultations, what are common things that they come to you specifically for? And what are the usual results when they turn to the fruit diet? Depends on, they may have, they may have some kind of disease they want to reverse, like high blood pressure or diabetes or, you know, whatever they have, you know, and I give them the information. I'm able to talk to them and see what their symptoms are. And I'm able to actually help them to give them the emotional support and I'll give them that information, just like the information I'm giving you guys here. It's basically the same information I give basically everybody, but maybe in a different format, referring to that person in particular. You know, I just help them to coach them to actually stay with the program. If you feel like giving up and let's talk about it, just help them to stick with the course. Yeah. Going on your, your Facebook page. So if you, if people didn't know, you know, your Facebook page is, what's the name of your Facebook page again? Is it um, Orville Fruitarian Lifestyle? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. Orville Douglas Fruitarian Lifestyle. Right. And on this page, you can see pretty much all of the testimonials that come to you. And it's really interesting reading through. You know, I've seen even a common issue, especially within young men recently. You know, a lot of young men are taking Viagra for their, you know, erectile dysfunction. And there was a testimonial that I saw where how I think the guy was in his 50s and he hadn't seen, he hadn't woken up with a morning erection yes. in 10 years and yeah, just yeah, by yeah. doing a fruit diet alone wow. he woke up yeah, the yeah. one yeah, yeah. after For 10 real? days yeah yeah after 10 days yep yep i would say that you know those those little blood vessels are the the smaller blood vessels that can get blocked up very very quickly you know so if a man has ed or has erection problems it's it's telling you that they're already at the beginning stages of coronary heart disease because you know the body's a whole pipe work so obviously if anything's going to be noticeable that's going to be blocked and there are going to be those small blood vessels in that area but like the in the in the main artery the big arteries you may not see anything for now because all the arteries are wide open and the blood can still get through but the smaller vessels down in, in the in the groin area that's where the problem starts so if you if i was talking if you have that change your diet because that's what's going to lead it's going to lead to coronary heart disease if those little vessels are being blocked, imagine in the next 10, 15 years, what's going to happen to the, uh, the larger artery. You're going to end up with a heart attack or stroke. All right. I have a couple more questions about fruit specifically. So when actually going into the fruitarian diet, it might take a lot of discipline and patience to exercise the limitations in yourself, especially when living a life 
of a completely different diet when you, when you know you're cooking foods and you're used to that right. hot food in your mouth you know right. so when you first became plant based was it difficult for you and what helped you to become consistent and then eventually turn into a habit and lifestyle um well at the be as I said, the beginning it was a, you know it was always a, a cook diet at the beginning and then i was reading up more on the raw food diet like raw foods and stuff like that. It was through uh, a Facebook page when I first joined Facebook. And I kind of heard about it, but I didn't really search much about it. Then I was, I got, I joined this raw food group. And I just saw all these wonderful dishes people were making with raw foods. And I said, okay, let me try that. You know, I bought myself a dehydrated and dehydrate foods and stuff like that. And, you know, and it, it wasn't really too much of a time consuming, but I tried that. And, and as time went on, for some unknown reason, I just started to eat more fruits because I was always really busy anyway with work and stuff like that, peel the fruit and eat it and stuff like that on the go. And I found it just kind of fell into the fruitarian lifestyle without even knowing basically what a fruitarian lifestyle was. And it kept me satisfied and I just felt healthy. I'm just feeling good all the time. You know, and I think anybody who's feeling good, whatever they're doing and they're feeling good all the time. I think that's what kind of really makes them stick to what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Now I'm looking through um, some of the testimonials on, on the Facebook page because uh, I, I just love reading them because it's quite inspiring and, and it's uh -huh. very interesting to see what different things have happened. A cyst disappeared after only nine days on one of the... Yes. Um, so she had a cyst on her finger and she was going to yes. get it surgically removed and then she no longer needs to do it after just doing nine days of the fruit diet. And it's interesting to see how many yes, different yes. things, you know, can be solved literally by changing the diet into a fruit diet. So it just goes to show the power and the testimony of, of everything that you're saying here. It's not the fruits that heals the body. The body heals itself. The fruits put the body in a great environment to heal, you know, because the lady, right. she had that cyst on her finger for over a year. She's got to get it surgery removed in April now. And she follows a raw food diet. She has her own business, that same lady we're talking about. So she makes a lot of raw food. That didn't even help her to get rid of it. You know what I'm trying to say? The raw food that she makes on a daily basis. She has a raw truck. I can't remember what city she's out of. So she had people come and buy raw foods from her. And that didn't even help her. But yeah. the fruits did because the fruits digest very quickly. And you see, once her stomach goes on empty, that's when detoxification can happen. Because digestion now is being removed. She's not digesting anything. And that's the reason why a lot of times people do not heal because they're always constantly eating all the time. The body's always digesting, digesting, mm. digesting, digesting. And the only time it has chance to detox is when they go to sleep, which is like six to eight hours. And yeah. that's not enough time. Mm. So it's best for the body to, to, you know, have that peace and quiet to just do what it needs to do rather than spending its time exactly. processing the food that's going into your body you hit the nail on the head that's exactly what it is when people understand that that's how true healing starts to happen mm. yeah that makes a lot of sense because i do water fast 36 hour water fast usually and oh great um, that's great yeah every time i do them you know i always feel fantastic afterwards the energy levels are high i just feel quite like you know light on my feet and i'm just ready to just take on the world but then yeah. throughout the week when i'm eating every single day three three meals a day you know, over time I start to feel more lethargic and more slow. And yeah. even the mental clarity, uh, it decreases. But when I fast and I've, I've given my body the time and space to heal, I do see a lot of mental clarity, uh, which is interesting as well. Yes. Is that something yes. that you see a lot as well in, in people who do the fruit diet? Do they, like, you know, feel more energetic and more yep. Absolutely. clear with their thoughts? And that's the reason why 
when when I tell you that I the way I run, do the running, that's how I feel every day because my body's always in that stage. Have you know what I'm trying to say? It kind of sounds counterproductive of what we've been taught that you need to eat to get your energy levels up and stuff like that. But as you says, what what you're feeling, the majority of people find that they're still light, they feel energetic after they've started to eat less. It makes a lot of sense. It's fantastic what you're doing, you know, is 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 revolutionary in a sense. Thank you. Uh, thank especially you, thank when you. nowadays all of the pharmaceutical companies, you know, it's, it's a business model and being unhealthy is profitable. The pharmaceutical industry profits off of unhealthiness, you know, being in a place of, of, of disease. And what people don't realize is, is if you're in that place consistently, you know, you're just generating more money for these companies. So it makes sense why, you know, there's been so many studies that counteract everything that has been said here. You know, there's yeah. people who want to argue against it and then, you know, because it's profitable for those companies, they naturally want to protect their profits. You know, yeah, yeah, if something goes against your business model, you want to protect it. It's, it's interesting to see directly, you know, speak with somebody who lives the lifestyle and also has shown people the other's lifestyle and they've gone out their way and, and done it and they've also seen the results, you know, and it, it you know, because there's, there's the studies and then there's the results. It's very empowering to see how it's gone on and how it's benefited other people. You're revolutionary, you know, in, in present day. So thank you for taking the time out to speak with us and to, you know, just show us a different way of living. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. It's truly an honor. And you know what? I think just like, I feel like when me and Zach advertise this on our own platforms, we're going to have to put up your photo that is Zach showing your definitely. photo of you and you just, you just look completely swole. And I think then it will hit people that, you know what, this guy's 58 and he's in better shape than majority of people our age. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that says a lot. That says a lot. Yeah, thank you. But another thing as well. So um, I kind of wanted to go into this topic as well. Uh, people don't see the importance of seeing their roots and seeing their family. And what Orville has done is he's started to make a family tree and retrace the family's origins and, you know, also connect uh, family members whose might not necessarily be in the country and people might not know about them. And he's traced them down. He's kind of made it more communal for the family. And I just wanted to ask, like, you know, what, what was the your process behind that? And, and what was it that you've kind of found? And I've always been interested in, you know, just trying to find family members, we, we all know the ones who, we, we're all in the same country like England, you know, we all know those family members and stuff like that. But you see, what, yeah. what, what happened when our parents came from the Caribbean and came here, then, you know, they had like a lot of other cousins and aunts and uncles, but we didn't really know much. We didn't know, we, we didn't know anything about them. I just wanted to just trace, just to see, you know, who these family members are. And then I just decided, you know, something when I joined Ancestry, I decided, let me just see how far I can trace the family roots back. Because um, at a time, all I could trace our family route back was basically to grandparents. And that was it. You know, our family didn't really talk much about, you know, their aunts and uncles when they were growing up and stuff like that. Mm. So the, I just wanted to research it. And then I wasn't too sure how to go about it. I know in England, you have like the registers office, public records, you can trace uh, family members down, you know, who are here. But I wasn't too sure how it would work in Jamaica. You know, someone told me about this website called familysearch.org. And then once I found that, it was a wrap. You know, you put a certain name in and then it'll come up, you know, some public record will come up and then you'll be able to, I was able to trace great grandparents and great, great grandparents and their kids 
the half Chinese relatives that I found recently, which was, I think was the most profound one. You know, he was adopted, born in 1917. That's my mother's first cousin, her aunt. This is in Jamaica, 1917. She met this Chinese merchant who was in Jamaica and they had a child together. But obviously my mother didn't know about him. Obviously the older people, like my grandparents, knew about him. But, you know, nothing was ever discussed with us or anybody else or stuff like that. Because after a certain age, the father took him back to China where he was adopted by a family that couldn't have kids. So I think during his life, he was in some kind of special army in China, you know, some kind of intelligence or stuff like that. He went all over the world. And I'm not too sure how long he stayed in Jamaica, but he knew he had some information regarding where he came from, even though he, he was adopted and his name was changed. He had some information. So his grandson decided to do a DNA test for him just to see if he can find any of the Jamaican side of the family members. Unsuccessfully, he didn't find any members, but he did a test. So... He did a test called My Heritage, and I did Ancestry. For some unknown reason, one day, something just told me, just load my DNA. You can load your DNA. If you do any of these tests, you can load them up to different websites. So I said, let me load my website up to um, My Heritage. And I did that. Then when I saw the relations I had with people, I saw this man. His name was Vincent Young, and this is like 90-plus years old. And, you know, and I says. Young, Vincent Young, I've never heard of a young, you know, if, if it's that close to the family member, you know, I mean, I must be able to figure out who he is. So I called my mm. mom and asked her, do you know anybody by the name of Vincent Young? She says, no, I've never heard that name before. So I contacted the person. Actually, it says Vincent Young. Um, this account is managed by Thomas Lou. So I sent that person a message and Thomas Lou said, and I said, by the name, are you half Chinese? And he said, yeah, because I said the name sounds Chinese. And I spoke to him and he said, well, he said, well, my father, he was born in Jamaica in a place called Blackwood Clarendon. That's where my mom's from. It's a very small, very small. I've been there before. Very small little town, you know. Mm. And, and he said he was adopted. But his real, before he got adopted, his name was Glenatos Higgins. And Higgins is our maid, you know, you know how, that's our family yeah. name. So his name was Glenatos Higgins. And his mother's name was Clementina Higgins. So I went onto the uh, family search website and I found a birth certificate with that name, Glenatos Higgins, born in 1990. Uh, mother's name was Clementina Higgins. I called my mom and said, Mom, do you know of anybody by the name of Clementina Higgins? And she said, oh, yeah, Clementina Higgins. She said, that's my aunt. That's my aunt. She said, we didn't really see much of her because she had moved to Kingston. But that's my aunt. I said, Mom, you need to be sitting down. Listen, I found we, you have a cousin. He's 102 years old and he's alive. And guess what? He's Clementina's son. And guess what? He lives in Birmingham. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? He could be anywhere in the world because, as I said, he, he grew up in China. He went to Jamaica. He did go back to Jamaica as an older person. He met his wife. She's Chinese. They went to Jamaica and two of their children were born in Jamaica. Then they migrated to Birmingham. Yeah. That's how we met him. And then through him, I've also been able to connect with other family members on both sides, on the Higgins side and also on the Douglas side of family, connect with people like that, you know. So that's how we um, made that connection. So that's powerful because even just seeing into your family roots, you know, as you said before, you know, genetics are passed down and, you know, your habits are passed down. Yeah. Um, sometimes diseases might be passed down. Whatever it is, it can be literally be passed down through, through your genetics you know, it can be really interesting and can answer some questions that you might have had 
was there any questions that you had specifically and looking so far has answered that question for you? I just wanted to know where I came from. The reason why I did the ancestry set at the beginning was basically to trace back family members and also where exactly I'm originated from, what part of Africa, you know, that's what it was. And then I went even further and did another test, which was called African Ancestry, which actually broke down exactly where in Africa and what tribe. I did a test. There's a couple more tests I'll need to do, but I did a test where I can actually trace, it traced my father's side back from where, where from the Douglas tribe, from where his father's, 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 father's came from. And it ended mm. up in a place called Gabon in West Africa. The tribe is called Akeli tribe. I share the same DNA as the, the people of the Akeli tribe in Gabon tribe. We share the same DNA. Mm. So I did that test, which was interesting. And I did my mother's side, which was her mother's 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 mother all the way down. And then that was also interesting. It came back two places, um, a place called Equatorial Guinea and also Cameroon. And there was three tribes that um, I'm associated with, uh, Bubi, Tika, Hossa, and Fulani. That's on my mother's side. Now, the other side, what I'm trying to do now is the Higgins side of the family. I haven't done that yet. I can't do that test. These white DNAs only pass down from father to son. So anybody on the father's side, you know, like, for instance, your grandfather, Uncle Ken, Dudley can do the test. Junior can do the test. Any of the sons, even your cousin Richard, he could do the test. So any of those people who did that test for the Higgins side, that will be your results as well. Alright, yeah, that makes mm -hmm. sense. I have a cousin Gary, and he said he's got to do the test. So that whatever results come, that will also apply to you as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, if there's anyone who is looking to, you know, trace back their family roots and and, and discover a bit more about their families and, and and their ancestors, how is the process? What kind of things could they expect and need to do? Number one, they'd have to go and you know get a DNA test you know, be prepared to what you may hear because there's so many family secrets you may not even yeah. know of. And a lot of people who, someone may have done a DNA test and you're related to them, when you find out that that could be like one of your half brothers or sisters and you, you know, and you know, you, you don't even know about or, the, or maybe, well, you, maybe your father didn't know about or something like that. I had a friend who did a, did a DNA test. He was, he said, oh, I really want to do it. And he did it. Why he discovered that there was this lady, she had done a DNA test and nobody for five years, nobody had kind of responded to her. Now, when he did it, well, her name popped up too. So he was able to kind of see how he was related with the amount of um, DNA was passed on. And he realized he was a half sister and he contacted her and she was so happy because her mother wouldn't tell her who her father was, never told her. And the mother's mm. still alive and wouldn't tell her who her father was. Now she found that she had a brother and he was able to tell her who her father was, but his father is dead. And he says, I don't think my father knew about this, this child, the daughter, the sister he had. He was able to solve her mystery but find out who her father was. So you can expect good, the bad and the ugly, you know, but you gotta be prepared. That's, that's very interesting. Cause it's like all, all things that's done in the dark will eventually come to light, you know? So absolutely. lesson yep. number one, people may as well just tell the truth from the beginning. <laughs> that's right. Yep. Yep. Indeed. But, indeed. But yeah, so um, I think that's about everything I have to really ask, you know. Um, so with the fruit feast, for anyone who's interested, uh, how can they reach out to you? How can they, uh, participate it's only exclusively on facebook so if they're on facebook they can look me up 
at Orville Douglas Fruitarian Lifestyle. And they can actually send me a message there and I can give them information on how to join. The next fruit challenge is July 1st. Come on down and join. And if you have any health issues or you just want to feel better and feel good and lose weight or whatever, just come and join. I'm definitely going to be joining 1st of July. Okay, I remember great, I tried to great. do it um, last year, at the end of last year. Um, but at the time I was training for an MMA fight. I think on the second week I struggled to stick with it because I started to miss the hot food. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up I ended up cooking again and then, you know, I failed that time, but this time I'm coming back and I'm 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 gonna stick with it completely all the way. Right, right, right. You didn't fail because you, you haven't stopped, you're still trying. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. That's the way I look yeah, at it. Exactly. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, you're still getting right back on board and um doing it again. Yep, indeed. Nero, do you have any more questions? Nah, I got all of mine out at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you so much. You're more than welcome, and, and thank you for having me on the show. Most definitely. And for anyone who might struggle spelling Orville, it's literally O-R-V-E-L. Yeah, so, we're going to make sure we yeah. put his details in the description somewhere. Yeah, yeah, Orville Douglas. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, with that being said, people, Orville, it's been brilliant talking to you. It's very insightful. Um Scott, thank you again. You know, it's a truly an honor to, to, to have you in my family tree. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Such man. a great person. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully I get to meet, hopefully I'm get to meet you so, again soon. The last time I saw you was he, you was a little boy, man. That's the last time I saw you. So you wouldn't even remember that, man. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it was a very long time ago. Very long time ago. Yeah, um, yeah. You guys, you, you guys need to come and visit, you know? Definitely. When oh, we come out definitely. there, we'll just be eating grapes. Eating grapes and mangoes, man, you know? <laughs> yes. But uh -huh. well, Oval, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank um, you. Pretty appreciate it, yeah. His details will be in the description below, so you can have a hyperlink to just get straight onto the Facebook page, or you can search up yourself, Oval Douglas Fruitarian Lifestyle. If you have any questions, you want to message him, as he said, you can message him there. And yeah, class is in session, man. Stay studious.